uh, talk about my favorite subject, and that is becoming a child of God. And this is something that is really, really exciting for me, and something that that uh, has has consumed my interest and my readings for years and years. And I realize that as it, as we begin, that we come to this topic, m most of us, with, with a lot of bias or a lot of baggage. We come to it understanding it from our own perspective. And that, there's nothing wrong with that, because we need a starting point. And for me, what I've come to discover is that my starting point is this. That we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And then it, it, I begin to realize, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquities of us all. He has put eternity into our hearts that we might become the children of God, that we might become, and all who receive him to those who believe in his name will become the children of God. And that in becoming the children of God, we are a royal priesthood. We are a chosen people. We are a nation given unto God. And in this relationship, we have life eternal. We have been transformed. Come to me, all who are weak and weary and heavy burdened, and you will find rest for your souls. And the rest comes and our souls are revived that we may come to him that if we are anxious and burdened with everything, come with prayer and petitions with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which is beyond understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. These are the kinds of thoughts, these are the things that have permeated and, and have guided my thinking as, uh, as I talk about and as I think about what it means to become a child of God. This is my message, this is my theme, this is the thing that I talk about when I'm with manna, and, and how it is that we are once lost, but have been found. That God loves us unconditionally. And this is the theme that we see in 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 28. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous and you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear children, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him, purifies himself just as he is pure. Last week, Steve um, made a comment that as he was beginning, that, that he looks at Scripture and allows Scripture to interpret Scripture. Now, this is a, this is a key component that, that I've used and that, that we here in, in, a, in the church seek to do, and that is uh, what's called inductive Bible study. We allow the Bible to interpret the Bible. Now, why is this important? The reason this is important is that it helps us to embrace what it is that God is seeing and what it is that, that we can glean from it without being restricted necessarily by a system, by a perspective that, that seems to just channel our, our view in a, in a particular fashion so that we don't see the fullness of God. I want to present to you today a bunch of information and then do some illustration of stuff. And then with that information and illustration, I want to hopefully inspire you to embrace what it means for you to be a child of God. What does this look like? And it's going to be rooted 
in this notion that Steve brought to us last week about the whole idea of coming to Scripture and interpreting it in the way that the Bible uh, is, is wanting to reveal to us. Now the problem, or the challenge, is that many theologians do this, but they do it in a, in a very systematic and in a very constrictive way because they want to harmonize Scripture. They want it all to line up perfectly. Well, God doesn't do that. God doesn't, doesn't align Scripture perfectly because all we, it, it's, it's like to say to go out into Nanaimo or something for a night out uh, with, with your family or with your spouse or with a special person that you want to impress and you say, uh, we're going to go to Nanaimo and we're going to have a night out in a restaurant and, and you go there and every restaurant is the same. They all serve poutine and carrots. And you go, this is awesome. Well, it, that's not the truth. I mean, you have Greek restaurants, you have Italian restaurants, you have Chinese restaurants, you have all these different restaurants, you know. And the same thing happens when people come to the Word of God, that they begin to focus on specific things that have impressed their heart. And yet, when you, when you come down and, and you realize that when it comes to being a child of God, there's a commonality. The commonality in being a child of God is that we've given our hearts and our lives to Jesus Christ for his leading and his guiding and his directing in, in, in our lives and allowing us to live for that. So we can honestly say that, that there are people who follow Jesus Christ distinctly and honestly and fully who are happen to be Mennonite. Who knew? And there are people who honestly and, and sincerely and follow the Lord Jesus Christ who happen to be Reformed, who happen to be um, Catholic, who happen to be Orthodox, who happen to be all of these different traditions that have sprung up and yet have found themselves following distinctly in the, in the leadings of Christ to, to, to embrace what it means to be a child of God. And so we, we realize that, that if we try to fashion what it means to be a child of God based solely upon a system, we bump up against inconsistencies that, that baffle us and we find our energies going more towards defending our system than living it out as a relationship with Jesus Christ. For instance, let me do some illustrations. For instance, as a Mennonite, we always bump up with this whole idea of being passive. But really, it's passive-aggressive. You know, so what, what that means is that on the outside, we're trying to say, you know, yes, we're nice and, and you know, peace-loving and, 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 and all this fun stuff. But in the inside, we're in turmoil because what we want to say, we can't say because we're Mennonite. And we really should say, but we won't because we're Mennonite. And so uh, we just do the passive-aggressive lifestyle. Uh, and, and that's not consistent with what Scripture says, right? Or you take another perspective, and that is the, the Lutherans or the Reformed uh, people who, who dearly love the Lord, and, and, and we, as from a Mennonite perspective, would say, well, you need to be baptized as an adult upon faith. And they say, no, you need to baptize children. And we would say from a Mennonite perspective, well, that's simply a carryover from culture when in the Catholic Church during that time they were baptizing infants before they, were, you know, before they died of child mortality to just make sure that they were into heaven. And you just carried over that tradition 
And they would say, no, this is a way for us to, to demonstrate our faith in Christ and to, to realize that we've given our children over to God and that they can confirm that faith later on in life. And, and so you come to this in, in different types of systems that restrict your understanding and perspective of who God could be. Many people come to the, come to the Scripture and they look at the Scripture as a progressive revelation that God reveals Himself in the Old Testament in a certain way and that he, be, and he continues to reveal Himself and then we come to the New Testament and it is more revealed for us until finally we get the full image of God. But that's again to put God in a box. Some people look at Scripture and saying, well, what Paul said is, is primary, is important. And, uh, and then we take everything what Paul says and we put everything else through the grid of Paul. Some take the, scripture, some take the New Testament and look at the Gospels. And the Mennonites do this. They look at the Gospels and they say, we take the Scriptures and we put everything through the Gospels. And how does it line up? Particularly the red letters, you know, the red writings of Christ. Those are important, right? Some people look at it and saying, how do we embrace ourselves as a child of God from our experience? So South Americans, for instance, uh, they, they began uh, liberation theology where they saw themselves as victims to, vic to victorious. There was a time when revival in influenced how people look at things and uh, we had the up you know, the upswing of, of uh, the charismatic movement and the leading of the Holy Spirit and the speaking of tongues and healings. And we saw that in the Pentecostal movement. We saw that in the Vineyard movement. We saw that in, in other movements where the, where the presence and the purpose of, of God was seen in, in the manifestations of the, of the gifts of God. We see that through authoritarianism where governments are taking the place and the rule of God and dictating how people should live. That's expressed through orthodoxy, through the Russian Orthodox Church. It's expressed through the Lutheran Church, uh, through, the, through the National Church of, of, of Sweden and Germany and all these places where they get monies from the government in order for them to keep going. Why is this important? Well, it's important so that we can begin to understand how we ourselves view our relationship with God as children. For me, the, the hardest thing has been to overcome my perspective that God the Father is like my father. And some of us might be in that trap. Either God the Father is like our father in that he's, he's so overwhelmingly giving and, you know, mushy, or he's so overwhelmingly distant and aloof. Or we say that our relationship with God is based upon our understanding of, of what the Father should be as we've come to Scripture. And so we make you know, characteristics of what God should be in the Old Testament. God is very firm. He puts out the law. He puts out consequences. He puts out, out behavioral modification. You do this, I do this. You do this, I do this. You do this, I do this. And so we think that, that if we, if we be-mod our life, that God will respond. And we look at scriptures in the Old Testament and say that if we humble ourselves and pray and, and confess our sins, He is able and faithful to receive us. And so we say, okay, I will humble and, and confess my sins. 
and then we try to force ourselves into a place of, of being what we think acceptable to God. And we, we put these barriers between God and us based on our understanding of what we think a child should be. I find myself challenged with barriers. I find myself realizing that, that the barriers that, that I need to confront are the barriers that keep me from being embraced and recognizing myself as a child of God. As an evangelical, one of the key barriers the evangelicals face is education. We believe as evangelicals that we need to know God and make Him known. You see that oftentimes in the... Uh, uh, in, in the vision statements of churches everywhere to know God and to make him known and we use that term to know God as a catalyst for us to know what it means about God in the originals in the original Greek in the original Hebrew in the original Aramaic so that we can begin to study God and we can begin to understand who God is and we can begin to, to nuance the person of God. And so we can begin, therefore, to let other people know the nuances and the person of God. Other church traditions want to express God in, in, the, uh, in the presence of God. And so you go, for instance, we were in Italy and in holidays and, and uh, every street corner has a new church and in these churches, there's spectacular frescoes of the presence of God and how God is present in a person's life and what God is doing in the, in the, in the presence of God, often in, this, in the presence of God through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Yet these barriers come and, and they restrict us from fully appreciating, again, what it means to be a child. I'm giving to you these things as, as not as definitive answers, but, of, but more as, as stages or thinkings that I'm going through. Because like I said uh, earlier, this theme, being a child of God, is my theme. This is what I've been embraced uh, and what I'm embracing. This is the thing that I feel is, is so crucial to, uh, to who I am and what I'm doing and who I want to be, being a child of God. We look at Scripture and we want Scripture to become alive for us. We want the presence of God to become real for us. We want the person of God to become as a, uh, a, a companion with us. We want to know God and to make God known, but we want to do it in a way that is real and personal and life-giving. And yet we find ourselves coming up against barriers that prevent that from happening. So what should we do? 
Where should we go? How can we be embraced as little children? John, in his writing, comes to the people as he writes from a perspective of knowing what it means to be a child of God. He comes realizing that that in because in John, uh, you know, in verse in chapter twenty, I believe it is, he identifies himself as the friend of God, as the friend of Christ. So he comes knowing what it means to have a relationship which is transformative, but not just transformative and not just knowledge gaining, but spirit liberating. Being a child of God. This week I started a new adventure in my life. Papa daycare. My daughter went back to work. Catherine is is going back to work now, and so uh, she called upon me and gave me three days of orientation with Josiah as she was in orientation. And so uh, mixed reviews, but I think we're going to make it. Uh, Mixed reviews from him, you know, like... You know, like he's just sort of getting getting used to this sort of thing, idea. But as parents, you know that w- when you're holding a little child in your arms, the little child, you assume, is not going through a checklist to determine if they know you as a parent, if they know you as the one who loves them. They're not going through a checklist in their minds of saying, well, you know, a parent needs to have these qualities. You don't. So how can you possibly be my parent? Or a parent needs to respond to me this way. You don't. Or a parent needs to look like this. A child is simply there receiving what we're able to provide. Sometimes we're able to provide more love and assurance than at other times, but we're able to do it. We're not the exact copy of God. But the child, I believe, as a baby, becomes the exact copy of how we are to respond to God. In a, in a place of trust, in a place of vulnerability, in a place of openness and receptivity. Not in a place of judgment, not in a place of barrier creating, but in a place of, of just being available to let God work and move in our lives. How do we see this, for instance, illustrated for us in Scripture? Remember, we're allowing Scripture to interpret Scripture. How do we see this, for instance, in Scripture? Well, I, see, I think we see it in a number of ways. First, I think we see it when, in Peter as he calls us that we are a chosen people, a holy nation, a people unto God, that he begins that, his letter, by addressing himself as a fellow elder. He addresses his letter to the elders and he addresses himself as a fellow elder. He doesn't identify himself as the top three. He says, okay, this is Peter, you know, like as in Peter, James, and John who are up on the mountain. We saw God. We saw, you know, the, the, the whole transformation thing happen. You know, I'm that guy. I'm Peter. I was on the mountain. So listen up. He doesn't start his letter like that. Nor does he start himself the letter like, You know, I'm Peter. I was the guy who walked on water. No one else walked on water here. I did it. So, yo, I've got some clout. He doesn't start like that. He says, I'm a fellow elder. I'm a fellow sojourn. 
He says, I'm coming to you because I want you also to discern with me what God is doing. Paul also, I believe, comes as a different person. Remember in Acts that Paul is traveling with Barnabas, and Barnabas and Paul have this disagreement over John Mark. John Mark is, is Barnabas's cousin, and John Mark, uh, Mark, who wrote the book of Mark with Peter's insight, uh, decided at one point in the journey that life was too tough, and so he went home. And Paul, when they wanted to start a new journey, uh, was in, was instrumental in taking along Silas with him, and he disagreed with Barnabas so much that Barnabas went his own way with Mark. And there was this rift between two good friends because of a, a disagreement in how they viewed Mark. And yet, later on, there must have been something that happened because in the book of Philemon, in the letter to Philemon, Paul addresses Mark as what? My son. So somehow there was a reconciliation between Paul and Mark. And it didn't come from Mark. It had to have come from Paul. Somewhere along the line, Paul saw things differently and reached out to Mark and was able to engage him in such a way as to open his heart and say, he's now my son. We've got that kind of connection. We've got the illustration again of different people who followed God and gave their hearts solely and wholly to God and in that relationship uh, developed a perspective of what it meant to be children of God. And our challenge is to not get tied up in, these, in, the, in the artificial barriers that we place upon ourselves when we come to Scripture simply with a system or with a preconceived notion or, or with a, a, a goal in mind to help justify our own biases or our own opinions. Babies need changing. Who knew? I didn't know until three days ago because I never saw him dirty. For seven months, eight months of his life, he was always clean. And suddenly, for three days when I had him, that pattern didn't remain. I didn't have the manual for this. I should have known, I guess, because my kids were somewhat like that. Sometimes. But he needs changing. Sometimes we as kids of God make messes. It's not that we're wrong. We just make a mess. But if we view ourselves as, as in this time of messiness to be separated from our parent, that clouds our perspective of what it means to be a child. John tells us in, John, in, in the Gospel of John that we are children of God. If we seek Him, we have the right to become children of God. Here in this passage, again, he reminds his readers that they are dearly loved children and that we are to continue in Him so that we can be confident and unashamed when He comes. 
faithfully living as children, faithfully uh, seeking to understand who it is that God wants us to be in response to his word. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Children imitate parents. Children imitate the ones that they are with. Sometimes, as parents, we need to break those patterns because we don't want those patterns to influence our children. I don't want my kids to see the parents I had in me. I want them to see more of the parents I could be with Jesus. And so we need to realize that, that, that as children are influenced, so too are we as parents. We're influenced. And the way that we're influenced is this. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Once we are fully uh, embraced with that reality that we are dearly and sincerely loved, we're willing to, to do anything. We're willing to go anywhere. We're willing to be anything. Once we recognize we are dearly and sincerely loved. Love is more than simply a knowledge of love. It's more than simply an interpretation of love. It's more than simply understanding in Scripture that there are three words to illustrate love, and in this passage it's used this way, and in this passage it's used this way, and in this passage it's used this way. It's more than being able to, to sing about love. Amore. Do I sound like Dean Martin? No. So yeah, there's a future for me somewhere, right? It's more than living like that. It's more than simply expressing it. It's actually being embraced by it. Being changed by it. Being built up by it. How do we do that? Being a kid. Sometimes being a kid means that we're going to be active. We're going to be a kid and we're going to be playing outside. We're going to be enjoying the nature that God has for us. Sometimes it means we're going to be taking a snooze. We're going to be resting. Resting in the presence of our Father. Allowing His presence simply to be there. Sometimes being a kid means that, that we're going to be engaging a dialogue back and forth. Sometimes being a kid means that we're going to get changed. We're going to have the messes taken out of our lives so that we can once again smell good. Sometimes being a kid means we're going to get disciplined. We're going to end up in the corner. We're going to end up not having our dessert. We're going to end up being withheld from something. But always it means that we're going to be unconditionally loved. 
And the love that comes to us from the Father is not based on our behavior, it's not based on our attitude, it's not based on our education, it's not, uh, not based on our ethnicity. It's only generated as we accept it. To those who receive it, John says, he gave the right to become children of God. So, this now leads to that, uh, that component of inspiration for you, for me. Are there things that you can identify as I've been you know, rambling through this whole list of all kinds of stuff? Are there things that you can identify that have become barriers for your life of understanding how much you are loved as a child of God? Barriers of tradition, barriers of of a theological perspective, barriers of habit, barriers of, of personal perspective. Are there things in your life that, that you say, you know, it's because of this that I'm fearful. I'm fearful to trust. I'm fearful to, to let go. I'm fearful to, to be embraced. I'm fearful to see what will happen if, if God comes fully into my life and I'm, I'm called to change. Are there barriers? Are there limitations? God, you can love me this much, but no further. That makes sense. You can love me if I stay in Parksville, but you can't love me, you know, like... Right? Whoa, that really makes sense. Are we limiting... The, the way we want to be loved by God? Are we dictating and limiting how we want to be loved by God? And saying, God, you know, if, if uh, you, you know, that there's those old books about the love languages. God, my love language is this, so if you love me any other way, well, forget it. Are we putting barriers up? Are we limiting God? Are we willing to simply be children? and letting ourselves be open to what it is that God wants for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. Somehow in the illustration of rain, I think, you illustrate to us that your blessings are new every morning. They are like rain. They are washed down upon us. When we look around us, we can see evidences and signs of, of um, your love. We see it in your creation, we see it in the relationships that we have, we see it in the potential of, of newness every day, and we can see it. And sometimes we're fearful to be embraced by it. We want to limit it, afraid what being truly loved might, might look like, what being truly vulnerable might feel like, truly open might lead to. God, as your children, help us to live as children. Receptive and open and, and seeking after you. Thank you.